Northside family, it's good to see you. My name's Nate. If I had a chance to meet you, would you welcome everybody in our video venue right now? We just want to let them know we are glad they're with us. And uh, like Ben said, if this is your first time back, maybe last weekend was your first time here with Easter. We are so thankful that you're here. As Ben said, we are all about connecting unconnected people to Jesus Christ. And every person in here has a unique story. Uh, none of us are carbon copies of each other. You are unique. You are created by God. And God has his plan for you, for you to step into. And uh, we celebrated Easter. And I just want to celebrate this. We don't really put this on social media because we just want to kind of share this within the internal Northside family. Uh, but last weekend was the largest weekend in Northside's history. We had over 12,000 people here last weekend. And... You know, we say, yay, God, but we know it's more than just a bunch of people gathering in a building. It is about numbers that have a name, and God is saying, I know your name, and I know your past, and I want to set you free from that, and I want to invite you into this resurrection story. I want to invite you in because that is what the resurrection does. It's not just that moment that he frees us and he conquers sin and death. He says, I have a new way for you to live. I have a new way for you to go. And if you're looking for a fresh start in life, this is why Jesus is the best that we could ever be a part of. That's why we're doing this whole series called Say What? Now, I'm going to leave this open uh, to your interpretation about how you want to pronounce this series. You know, you might look at that and you go, say what? Yeah, or for some of you, you came in and you looked at it and you went, say what? You know, and... Uh, and what we find about Jesus, and this is what we're doing, we're matching up some of the most famous quotes from Jesus, and we're putting it to our calendar. You know, we had this serve day weekend, and so we're going to look at some of, uh, say what, phrases that Jesus said regarding about why we care for those who are less fortunate around us. And Jesus has some very intense words for us. Uh, next weekend is Derby, and we know it's off to the races, and uh, we want to know, Jesus wants us to know this, we can run the race of life and some of us, we go, as Christians, we feel bad if we want to be great at something. It's like, come on, man, be modest. Don't be great. Just be modest. And actually, Jesus says it's okay to be great. The only thing is you need to be great the way I've called you to be great. And he has a way for us to live our life. He goes, that's, okay. that's good to be great. It's just your greatness needs to match my greatness. And he rearranges our priorities. He's going to have some words for us on Mother's Day. He's going to have some words for us the weekend after. And then on Memorial Day, we're going to look at some of his say what words but Jesus always has words for us to wrap our minds around, to wrap our hearts around, because he's saying, I have given you a new way to live. I love Serve Day weekend, and this isn't uh, just something that we want to do so we can just feel good about ourselves. This is actually the way that Jesus has called us to live. You guys, through your generosity, through your service, you guys packed 80,000 meals for those who don't, might not know where their next meal is coming from. You guys have served those who people have oftentimes feel forgotten. Uh, my family... Actually, I had a buddy, I was walking with my kids in my driveway yesterday and he drove by and I didn't, I didn't see him and he yelled at me, he goes, where's your red shirt? And, uh, and I said, it's in the wash. No, but, I, but my serve day looked a little bit different. My wife and my daughter came here and they served on Friday night at what's called our respite night where through our special needs ministry, we tell our special needs family, we say, listen, we're gonna watch your kids on Friday night. You guys go have a date night on us. 
And uh, what is so cool about this is my wife, her, she has a high gift of empathy. She uh, used to work with brain injured patients. So she loves to come alongside those who are going through a lot in life. And uh, she signed up on Friday night and she signed up my daughter, Lily, who's six. Uh, and then we didn't realize that Lily had a big spring fling kind of dance at school. She's a first grader on Friday night. We didn't realize that. And there's nothing wrong with those things. And we went, oh man, she's going to miss respite night because she'll want to go hang with her friends. And uh, we told her that on Friday. We said, we, you know, we messed up. We, 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 we signed up for Friday night. And uh, we know you got your spring fling and you'll probably want to go to that. And I love this. She, she just told my wife, she said, no, mommy, I want to go to church and serve. And I'm going, thank you, God, for this Northside family. Thank you, God, for a church who is teaching my daughter how to love those as Christ has loved us. Man, thank you, God, for this way to live. It's not just about us parents making our you know, kids begin to follow and it's all on us. Man, this is us as a church family. This is us coming alongside one another and serving one another. That's why we're looking at this series today and we're looking specifically at Matthew chapter 25 because Jesus tells us how he wants us to love one another. And the more you become a Christian, the more that you're going to find this, that Jesus is calling you to love the world as he has loved us. And you don't have to be a believer here today to understand that the world, what they're finding is this, generosity actually speaks to everybody. Even if you're not a Christian here today, you can agree it is good to help those who aren't able to help themselves. Matter of fact, businesses are picking up on this. I don't know if anybody have ever heard of the shoe company Tom's. And, uh, you know, Tom's, when they came out, they're not a Christian company. But when they came out a couple years ago, they came out with this business, you know, kind of idea that for every pair of shoes that you buy, we will give away a pair of shoes. And you go, man, that sounds good. I'm, I'm going to buy a pair of shoes for me, and then they're going to give away a pair of shoes to someone who doesn't have a pair of shoes. That's phenomenal. And I remember a couple of years ago, I was speaking at a school. It was a baccalaureate a graduation, uh, and I, they asked me to come, and I had just bought a pair of Toms, and I'm like, I'm going to wear them as a conversation point. Maybe some of the students will come up, hey, those are Toms, you know, we'll talk about that, and, you know, the goodness of God and all this other stuff. And uh, one of my friends, she's the school administrator, one of the administrators at the school where I was speaking at. And I walked in, I had my Toms on, and she goes, why are you wearing socks? And uh, if you know anything about, about Toms, they can kind of look like a pair of socks. They're a little bit form-fitting. And I said, oh, they're not socks. I said, they're these Toms, and for every pair you buy, they give away a pair. And deadpan, she just looked at me, she said, you should have gave away that pair too. And I'm like, dang, man. Dang, wow. Uh, all right, not the conversation I was expecting, but okay. But it resonates in everybody's heart. It resonates everywhere going, it feels good and it is a good idea to help others that our life wouldn't just be about our Cells. As a matter of fact, I came across this article. This was on, the, on one of the front news uh, articles on Yahoo this last week. Uh, it's a pretty incredible story. If you guys saw this at all, it's a really neat story. Uh, there's a couple guys down in Oxford, Alabama that were just eating dinner. Uh, Jamario is the guy on the front right, and he's eating dinner. And what was so unique was they sat down to eat, and then this sweet older lady was sitting by herself. This made on the cover of Yahoo. And what was happening is this, Jamario walked over to this lady and just sat down with her because he could tell something was a little bit off. She's just eating by herself. And he sat down with her and he said, why are you eating by yourself? Began just to talk with her. She said, well, 
My husband has passed away, and tomorrow would have been our 60th wedding anniversary. And Jamario said, you're not eating by yourself. You're eating with me. And he invited this sweet lady over to the table. There's something inside all of us. that You go, that's just right. That's just right that we come alongside those who have lost loved ones and who are now widowed. Man, that's just, that's just right that we don't buy stuff and it's just for us and our bank account is just about us and our lives are just about us. It is right that we supply for those who don't have any. It's just, it's in us. One of my favorite passages is in Ecclesiastes 3.11 where it just simply says this. Solomon, one of the wisest men ever before Jesus said this. He said, God has placed eternity in the hearts of mankind. When you feel that sense of that is just right, what you're experiencing is what God has created and put in you. It is just right to take care of those who are all alone. This is why Jesus goes after this in his last public sermon before he dies at the cross. This is his last public sermon. It's in Matthew chapter 25. And he's wanting to get across to everybody. He's going, here's the way I want you to live as followers of me. And if we're not careful, we'll misinterpret this. So we're going to kind of unpack this a little bit. But if you have your Bibles, feel free to open to Matthew chapter 25. It will be up on the screen. But listen what Jesus says. Here he is. He's going to die two days later. This is his last public sermon. He's trying to get everybody to understand this, this is what the heart of God is. And listen what he says in Matthew chapter 25 verse 31. He said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. He's letting them know, when I come back, I'm going to go die, I'm going to resurrect, I'm going to go to heaven. And when I come back, this is what's going to happen. He said, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from one another as the sheep separate, as the shepherd shep separates, say that fast and you'll mess it up. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he will put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. Jesus is saying this is what it's going to look like. When I come back for the final judgment, I'm going to come back. I'm going to put the sheep on the right. I'm going to put the goats on the left. And he said, then the king will say to those on the right, the sheep, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And you're like, all right, but listen what he says. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? They're going, say what? When, 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 did, when did we see you? We, we, we don't remember seeing you. When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Jesus, I don't remember seeing you in prison. And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. You say, what? Whatever we did for the least, Jesus, we did for you? Then he will say to those on his left, the goats, 
Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the internal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Hello. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or, or sick or in prison and didn't help you? And he will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Wow. Jesus doesn't mince words here. He says, here's the reality of what it looks like to be a follower of me, that whatever you would do for the least of these in this world, you have done for me. Now we read this and we go, well, we better do serve day every weekend because if Jesus is coming back next weekend, I want, I want him to see me food packing by Jesus. I'm a sheep, right? You know, send me here. Don't send me to the lake of fire. Like here I am, I'm making meals, right? And, and sometimes we can begin to live like that. It's just, this is what we got to do and we better do all these things. I remember seeing a bumper sticker one time. It's really bad theology, but I remember it said this. It said, Jesus is coming back. Look busy. And uh, like, do be doing something. Ah. And I think here's our problem too. Oftentimes that's how we live. Ah, we got to do stuff. We got to do stuff. Matter of fact, did a funeral this week and uh, my dad was meeting uh, with the man who passed away. And before he passed, dad was having a, a real conversation with him. And this was the conversation that the guy had with my dad. He simply asked this. Dad said, you know your face in death, how you doing? And this is what he just said. He goes, this is the question I'm wondering. Have I done enough? Have I done enough? I think that echoes in all of our hearts because we wonder, God, have we done enough? Is this enough? We read this passage and we go, oh boy, I better go driving through town right now. I better, be, I better just be throwing clothes out the window at people. You know, I better be doing all this other stuff. You know, I better, be doing, I better be doing enough. And this is what we want. This is how we need to understand this passage. You might want to write this down. See, it's not about what we should do that Jesus is saying here. But it's about who we are to be. There's a difference between what we're to do and who we are to be. See, Jesus isn't saying here, you better do all these things so that you can inherit eternal life because then that becomes a work-based mentality and a work-based way of living. And you see all through Scripture, especially Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says this, for we are saved by grace through faith. And this is a gift from God. What Jesus is saying in this is he's going, here's the deal, that when grace comes in, it begins to go out from us. See, here's how we love the least of these. This is what Jesus says. He goes, well, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And if you and I are going to be the church, if you and I are going to be people who actually live out the ways of Jesus, what we've got to understand is this, that when we, we can love the least of these because Jesus has loved the least of me. The more I keep love from other people, the more I go, oh, I don't know about them. You ever found out that we only give grace to those who sin like we do? 
and those who sin differently or are in a different stage of life were like, come on, man, get it together. But when somebody sin and looks like and struggles like we do, we go, hey, let's give them a break, right? Let's kind of lay off of them. And it's amazing that we only give grace to those who look like us, act like us, and sin like us. And Jesus says, no, no, I want you to love those. I want you to love the least of these because I have loved the least of you. See, grace begins to change us. Grace begins to say grace isn't just for me. Grace is to go through me into the world. And Jesus says it is to love God, but it is to love your neighbor as yourself. Because if we're not careful, here's what will happen. We'll begin to trust in our good works, and we'll just be doing good works. And Jesus has some strong words about this in Matthew chapter 7. We've got to be careful. Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoa. He said, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He said, many will say to me on that day, the judgment day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? So many of you gave blood yesterday to the American Red Cross. They ran out of supplies. They had to turn people away. You're like, y'all a bunch of vampires. I don't know what's going on with you, you know, but we ran, we ran out of supplies yesterday. But he said, be careful, he said, because many will say in that day, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we drive out demons? Didn't we perform many miracles? And Jesus says, then I will tell them plainly, I never, what? Knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Well, which is it, Jesus? Is it to love the least of these? Is it to clothe those who don't have? Is it to feed those? Or is it just to know you? What is it? And Jesus says, yes. Jesus said, it is to know me. And it is to know and to love your neighbor. Yes. And whenever you love the least of these, you love me. You know, it's interesting, I forget about this all the time, but Jesus actually identifies more with the poor on his time here on earth when he came here. The, the more you read into the scripture, when his parents go to dedicate him and they have to pay the temple tax, they, they pay two pigeons, which is the equivalent of the lowest class tax. That was the family he grew up in. Actually, Jesus was an immigrant. He had to flee to Egypt to get out of Bethlehem because if you remember, Herod put out a hit on all two-year-old boys in Bethlehem and Jesus had to run. He had to seek asylum in Egypt. Jesus, growing up, was an immigrant. Jesus was oppressed through his trial. And if you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus had to borrow things all the time in his life. He had to borrow a donkey to ride into Jerusalem to declare his kingship. He had to borrow the upper room for his last supper. He had to borrow a tomb for his burial. See, Jesus resonates and he lives in this life and he understands the life of the poor. He understands what it looks like to be oppressed. I remember when I was getting married to, well, with Ruthie, we were, you know, we were looking at how we're going to pay for the wedding and all this other stuff. And then one of her friends, she had a really nice wedding dress. She said, hey, I'll let you borrow my wedding dress if you want. And my wife said, sure. She said yes to the dress. And I said yes to no debt. I'm like, praise God, man. This is, this is the woman of the Lord for me, man. 
And I loved it because she borrowed a dress. I mean, it's a super expensive dress, all this other stuff. And she's like, I don't care. And it was so cool that she could live just to borrow a wedding dress, give it back. It's like, that's fine. And this is what I find is this. And I'm like, man, it's so cool that we can borrow stuff and do those things in that moment. But it's different when you have to borrow something, not because it's a great deal, but because you don't have the means to buy it. We had the means to buy a dress, but Ruthie chose to borrow one. And it's different when you live in a place where you're going, I, I got to borrow stuff because I don't have anything. And Jesus lived in that. Matter of fact, I began to look at the scripture and, and the more you study, this is what you'll find about the heart of God. There's over 2,000 verses in the Bible about doing justice, about coming alongside those who have been forgotten, coming alongside those who don't have anything and moving into loving those. Matter of fact, this was God's heart for the Israelite nation. In Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 19, God says, you cannot forget the poor. You cannot leave them alone. Listen to what he says. He says, when you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, which is like a whole thing of grain, he goes, when you're taking all of this stuff in and you leave a sheaf out in the field, he said, do not go back and get it, but leave it for the alien, for the fatherless and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. God says you will actually be blessed when you are generous to others. He goes, don't just scrounge everything for yourself. He goes, when you leave something out field, he goes, leave it for them. Bless somebody else. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 9 through 10. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. A minister, true justice. He said, show compassion and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. And then he says this, and I find this fascinating. It's like, okay, I'm not going to do that. But then he takes it a step further. And God says, in your hearts, do not think evil of each other. How many times has maybe God prompted you to help somebody who is in need, and we talk ourselves out of it? We say stuff like this, they're just going to buy beer with it. It is just, they won't know how to manage what I give them. And there is data that shows it's not good just to give people who are in need a bunch of resources without accountability. I'll say that like, actually, that can actually hurt them. There's a book called when, when Helping Hurts, and we have to be wise in how we help. It's not just about give people whatever but we have to be careful as followers of Jesus because here's what begins to happen. Jesus, if you'll find this, he doesn't fit in our political boxes, does he? For some of us, Jesus will be way more liberal than we're liberal. And for others, Jesus will be way more conservative than we're conservative. This is why more than our political party, we have to look to Jesus and say, you are our allegiance. You are the one we worship. You are the one. And we have to be careful what's in our heart. Matter of fact, in James chapter 1, Jesus' half-brother, who didn't grow up believing in Jesus, becomes a follower of Jesus. He becomes a leader in the church. And in James chapter 1, verse 27, listen to what he writes. He says, religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James says what's good for you and I as followers of Jesus is to look after the orphans and the widows. And we have this incredible movement going on here in the church. 
Several of you are starting to foster children. Several of you are starting to do adoption. Several of you are stepping into this. I love, we have a ministry here called the Works Ministry. They meet on the third Saturday of every month. Yeah, we got we have two people. All right. And uh, yeah, they were, no, but what's so neat about the Works Ministry is this, is they come alongside and they love, they give care to widows and orphans. And this is what happens for some of you, and this is what's going on with the works ministry. It's so neat. There's a lot of you, you're going, don't put me on stage. Don't do that stuff. But you give me a hammer and you will see the glory of God unveiled, right? You're like Thor. You show up at a house, man, and you just start building ramps and all this other stuff. And and it is incredible. And it is a gift from God. And you find satisfaction because God has gifted you to build and to help. And those widows who need that help. See, in the biblical time, this is why they talked about not forgetting the orphans and the widows, because anytime they would lose a man, they would lose everything. And oftentimes the same is true today, that if a woman loses her husband and she doesn't have kids close by, there's nobody there to defend her. The church is to be the defender of the orphan and the widow and the fatherless. See, this grace isn't just for us. This grace is for this world. And Jesus is saying, this is, he's going, listen, if you're not going to live, if you're not going to do this for the least of these, you need to understand you're not going to have any part of me in the future. And if you want to understand me, you begin to step in to what I have for you. Well, how do we step into that? You might want to write this down. To love the poor, we have to first become poor. You're like, What? You're just going to make me empty my bank account, and then that's, God's going to love me. That's not what I'm saying. I'm going to let Jesus speak this. In order for us to begin to love the poor and to defend the orphan and the widow and the fatherless, we have to become poor. And this is what poor looks like. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Jesus opens his manifesto. What does it look like to be a follower? It's called the Beatitudes. And he starts off by saying this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Meaning this, blessed are the poor spirit means this, blessed are you when you come to the end of yourself, of, blessed are you when you stop saying, I'm a good person. Blessed are you when you stop saying, I've done enough and I'm good enough. No, no, no. Blessed are you when you go, Jesus is the only one who's good enough. He said, because now you can begin to step into the kingdom of God. I got a buddy who's a pastor in Irvine, California, which is in Orange County. And uh, this year they got, they won the award for the 13th year in a row of the safest, biggest city in America. It's the city that you have to be over 250,000 people to qualify. 13th year in a row for the safest, biggest city. And it's because everybody's like a millionaire and everybody's rich. And I was out there visiting with him uh, this last year, learning from him. And I just asked him point blank, you know, here we are in his house and you can see the ocean far off from his house. And I'm like, one, how'd you get in here? He's like, well, my house backs up to a cemetery. And he's like, so the neighbors are kind of creepy, but they're quiet, you know. And, uh, but I just got real with them. And I'm like, dude, how, how are you okay doing ministry in Irvine? I mean, really, you're suffering for Jesus in Orange County, you know. And how are you okay with this, man? Because I, I don't see any poor people here. And I, I don't see anybody who's in need. I, I mean, explain to me how you do church here. And I loved his answer. He said, you're right. These people have everything. They have everything. 
But he said, you know what, Nate? They also have nothing at the same time. They have nothing. They don't have the kingdom of God. They don't have grace in their life. They don't have purpose. Their whole purpose is just make more money and oppress more people and just be a slave driver at their work, chew people up, spit them out, make a buck off of them, and keep rolling. And he goes, God is calling me to help these people to become poor in spirit. See, this is what happens. When we become poor, we get to help the literal poor, and we get to help those who are not poor in spirit. God is saying, this is what happens. You begin to come alongside one another. Everybody, you can come alongside and help. And this is what we got to remember. It is always people over programs. It's always about people. It's always about people. You look in this passage in Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus comes back, he goes, I'm getting all the nations together. I'm getting everybody together. I'm getting all these nations. I'm about people. Every, you know, and here's the deal for us. We can come up with programs to help people all day long. I love one of my favorite quotes is this. Everybody wants a revolution. Nobody wants to do the dishes. You know? And it's like, yeah, let's go change the world. Cool. Why don't you start with sweeping the hallway? That ain't for me, you know, all this other stuff. And we want to do all these great things and we can come up with all these great plans and all this other stuff. But we forget it's not about programs. Serve day is not about serve day. You know who serve day is about? About people. It's about people who don't know where their meal, next meal is coming from. It's about people who need a home. It's about people who are journeying through hardship. It's about people who are navigating special needs in their life. And they're going, will the church help me? Will the church come alongside me? See, this is the beauty of what happens is when we begin to get the heart of Jesus, we find that Jesus wants to take our ordinary life and turn it in to extraordinary This is the power of Jesus. Did you realize both people asked Jesus this question? Jesus, when did we see you thirsty? The righteous and the unrighteous. Jesus, when did we see you needing clothes? Jesus, when did we see you this? Jesus, when? When? And this is what he's trying to say is this. In your ordinary life, I want you to see me. In your ordinary ways, I want to do extraordinary things. This is why I love the church. You guys are starting to live this and understand this. Matter of fact, this is why we do short-term mission trips because what happens is people go on those short-term trips, they come back and they go, I've never, I didn't know people live like this. I didn't know there was poverty in the world like this. And then they come back and they begin to change the way that they live here. Matter of fact, we had a dentist uh, last year, I think it was, come back from one of our short-term trips and he went down there and he helped so many people and he went, Wait a second, I think I can help people here who are in need. And so he and his wife, one of their days off a month, they come in now, and this is what they do monthly. They give free dental care to anybody who's in need. And what was phenomenal is this, a couple weeks ago we had a baptism weekend, and this was the week that my buddy, this dentist, was giving away this free dental care. And he has a little pamphlet out there as people come in. It explains why he's doing this. And uh, they would sit in the chair and this one guy came in and he said, so tell me about your spiritual awakening. Why are you doing this? 
And he said, I went on this short-term mission trip. I, I saw poverty I've never seen before. And I realized I need to come back and in my everyday life, I need, I need to follow Jesus. I need to love the least of these because he's loved the least of me. I, I need to do this. And the guy goes, what church do you go to? He goes, oh, I'll go to Northside Christian Church. And then he goes, why don't you come this weekend? He goes, okay. He's like, well, he probably won't. But, you know, that's all right. After the service, I think it was 1130 service, People are getting baptized. He's hanging around. My dentist friend's hanging around. And lo and behold, guess who shows up on the screen during baptism weekend? He's out there where you are looking up on the screen, and he goes, that's him. See, God is looking to take our ordinary life in our ordinary jobs, in our ordinary neighborhoods, in our ordinary hobbies, in our ordinary relationships. And he goes, will you see me in those relationships? Will you see me in your everyday living? Talk to uh, uh, one, of, uh, one of the uh, people here who works at a local business and their business, this is phenomenal, they've started busing in kids from one of the local high schools, and they said this, we're going to give you an hour a month. If you want to grow in your business skills, we're going to give you an hour a month to help you prepare for your future. And this is what's happening here at the end of the year. They've said, you know what, we, get, we have given away nine hours, nine hours. And he said, and what's happened now is this, they've helped these kids create resumes and understand what business is and understand how to live their life and how to make managerial decisions. And what's happening is this, we go, well, big deal. Well, here's the big deal, you ready? The kids that they're bringing in have nobody in their life to teach them business. They have nobody in their life to teach them how to put together a resume. They have nobody in life to say, you could be a CEO one day. And my friend's business is going, we just gave nine hours, nine hours in a year. And you potentially have changed a whole generation's future. We have no idea, do we? We have no idea what God wants to do. See, God is saying, well, you love the least of these. Because when you love them, you love me. One of my favorite stories just of my life that God's done, he's taught me this lesson was my senior year at Silver Creek. I just moved here from Las Vegas and uh, senior year, I don't know anybody. And then senior year, there's this new kid who came into my class. Uh, his name is Diego Morales. And uh, he was an immigrant from Guatemala. And uh, I got a picture, I got to do his wedding. Uh, this is pretty neat. This is uh, 19 years or about 18 years after I met him. And uh, he's on the right. And here's what was so cool. When he came in, I'm new as a senior. He's new as a senior. And I said, uh, hey, my name's Nate. And he looked at me and he goes. <laughs> I said, what's your name? Diego couldn't even speak a word of English. And yet God put him right next to me in speech class, senior year, Miss Faulkner's class. He actually married a lady from Hungary. Imagine Sellersburg bringing the world together. <laughs> That's what you think of when you think of Sellersburg, right? <laughs> a global entity. <laughs> Could it be that as God is bringing the nations to America, he's going, will you tell them about me? Will you tell them about me? 
You know what's neat about Diego is this, he, he went on to IUS, got a political science degree, went to Purdue, got an MBA. He's worked for senators, governors, congressmen. He's more educated than I am. And all Jesus is asking you and I to do is this. Will you love the least of these? Will you love that person who can't speak English because I have a plan for their life? Will you love those who look ordinary because I want to do extraordinary things? What an invitation God's given us. What a life he has given us. Will you love the least of these? Because Jesus has loved the least of me. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you love and redeem the darkest places in our heart and in our life. And yet, Jesus, you don't just love us, you send us into this world. And so, Father, I pray that today we would have a fresh vision of you. You would stir our hearts. You would help us to wrestle with your word. Father, if there's old ways and old habits that need to change, God, I pray that you would begin to root them out of us. Jesus, would you take residency in our heart and our minds and our lives, and may we see you this week, Jesus, and love you as you have loved us. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. May we love well this week, Northside family. God bless you.